0: As we look at Esther today, Morgan, I guess you're going to push buttons there. I guess going, is it? Okay. All right. Now, next week, Ray is really trying to get Bethany Adoption Services in here to interact with, with you on, on questions that deal with adoption. I cannot contribute. too much to that because I'm not into adoption like all of you are, but we hope that the scriptures will be of encouragement. So let's have prayer and we'll see this little girl, Esther, who grows up to become a queen. Father, we do thank you again for the scriptures and the sufficiency of the scriptures and the incredible wisdom that's on display through its pages as you present to us every aspect of life that we could imagine Uh, from the birth of a child to marriage to raising children, uh, losing loved ones uh, so much from a human standpoint. And yet Father, all of it is God-centered and we wanna thank you for that. Help us as we uh, just look at this incredible Person that you've placed in the scriptures today and help it to to be meaningful for those who have interest in adoption. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. If you didn't get one of these, I hope that you will. Justin, did you grab one? Yeah, okay. I'm going to be referring to it a couple places. Uh, Let me just look at what's in the box. When you're teaching, you like to be able to summarize what are the main things that we can take away from this. And it's good to put it up front sometimes so that when we go through it, it can kind of guide us. Uh, We're thinking of adoption and and looking at Esther, we see that adoption does not mean that a child will struggle with identity, relationships, or purpose in life. That's really gonna be our main focus. potential struggles or negative things that could have affected Esther did not pull her down. And we wanna look at that. God greatly uses adopted children. Those who adopt can significantly impact the world around them. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Esther's story I have in your sheet is a story of success. And really this lady's life, incredible woman, young woman, her character, her behavior, her maturity, as we see it on the scriptures. But from a human standpoint, she's had to work through a few things to get to where we see her in the scripture. She just didn't arrive here. And we, we, we want to look at that. Um, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter one, if you would please, just real quick. In your device, isn't that something, how Jerry, I can become current at my age, (laughs) device or scriptures. We are all familiar with Philippians chapter 1 and this crew uh, because of our Bible background. And in it, Paul is writing to a church that he pastored. He loves them. They love him. And you know the background. And he's very pastoral. He's very personal as he begins in verse 3 of chapter 1. <clears throat> I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, and God did a good work at Philippi, he will complete it until the day of Christ, and on and on and go. You have this pastor this man who founded the church writing this. Now, here's what I want you to see. When, If you wanted to do a study on, the, on just Philippians chapter one, I have it on the screen there, there are different ways that you could look at it and it would all be a legitimate biblical study. You could look at what does this teach us about God? Well, in chapter one, verse six, there is a clear reference to our salvation, security in Christ, that God who brings us in Christ, He will make sure that we get to heaven. It's, it's all of Him, we see that. Later in the chapter, he talks about, uh, I know that you're going to be praying for me and I'm going to be delivered. And then he adds this phrase about the Spirit of God taking care of the rest. It reminds us that God knows our needs. And as we pray, God will hear and answer our prayers, but what we don't get right or what we leave out, the spirit of God will take care of. That's a great verse for how God takes care of his people. And you look at the the chapter and you could just say, okay, what does this teach us about God? Or what does this teach us about the savior? because those are the two always to be focused, the main emphasis. Uh, What does it teach us about salvation? Those are major things. You could kind of break it up into different topics, but then you could have these other topics, we might refer to them as lesser. Uh, Looking at God's word, what's it tell us about the church? Uh, Circumstances. Paul says, don't worry about what's happening to me. God's got it all covered. In fact, you won't believe what God did through my circumstances, pastoral care, ministry, all those things. And you could look at Philippians 1 and have a biblical study on any one of those topics and use the Word of God the right way. Now, the reason I share that with you, when we go to the book of Esther, we're looking at the topic of adoption. That's one of those minor subtopics that we see in in the book of Esther, but it's a very legitimate point because it's referred to four times in one chapter that she's been adopted. And the main theme of the book of Esther is of course the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. His working through details even when he's not seen to make sure that his will is accomplished and he takes care of his people. Esther is a great book for a character study, uh, an example of a godly woman, her faith, her, her courage. Um, there are two books in the Bible that bear the name of uh, a woman, the book of Ruth and the book of Esther, and they're a lot alike. But when we drop it down to the area of adoption, we are still using the Bible in the right way because it's a part of her life and that's what we wanna look at today. So I just wanted to, to, maybe it's just me, but I wanted to share with you that, that, you know, looking at this from the standpoint of adoption, I still think can be a biblical uh, outlook on the book because it represents who she is, even though we may not look at the main theme, God taking care of circumstances. Uh, So it is a book of success. Let me read from your sheet again, and we'll get right into this. When we remember that Esther was adopted, the qualities we see in her life will encourage each adoptive parent that their child's success in life does not need to be limited in any way. Now, again, these potential challenges... Uh, being disadvantaged because you were adopted. When a person considers adoption, uh, I'm sure that one of the things that separates people who do adopt from those who choose not to are these potential problems. People are thinking, okay, what kind of challenges might the child face? How's that child gonna respond? What kind of challenges am I gonna uh, face? How am I going to respond? And there's a sense that some of that is natural. I think when we grow up, like Sarah, she had siblings everywhere doing farm work with her. And uh, we grow up, we have a mom and dad, we have relationships, we see babies, we know how the family, how relationships work. When you're thinking about adoption, thinking about bringing in to your family someone who is not yours. It's natural for people to think, okay now, what am I getting myself into? What's going to happen? More than just seeing the need, because they don't know how to relate to it, and they really need to think about that before they make any decisions. And uh, Justin, let me ask you, uh, why are you and Melissa even considering the potential of adoption Um, the, the fear of the unknown evidently hasn't closed the door on your thoughts and things like that. So why are you considering this? What is it that kind of pushes you into that group of people that may be adoptive parents?
1: In the past, we've served at camps and stuff, but you know, you impact for a week and then you're like, you and, mm-hmm. it, and it's fulfilling, but you know, to be able to say that you took this child in from a situation that they were very unfortunate and I think that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, yeah. yeah, and we, we feel like we're blessed. We, you know, we have, we have a home, we have a lot of space on the farm, we have a lot to teach. Um, so I think there's a.
0: Well, those are all good reasons, all right. Now, how about your son John and his wife? What's their DNA? Why is it that they moved into this area? Of course they're surrounded with people at church that's really committed to this area, but has John ever talked with you about what it was that really helped them to make that move?
2: I think it was more Angie than John to begin with. she had gone on ambitious trips to Africa. Okay.
0: Okay, all right. yeah that's, that's quite a step. it is. And this this idea that you're going to be handicapped or disadvantaged, the idea that uh, the child is going to be disadvantaged um, just because they're adopted, I'm not sure you could really support that. It doesn't have to be that way. Now there are challenges, no question, but there's challenges to parenting, period, you know it just. I'd rather be a grandparent any day than a parent. It's much easier, you know, but uh, it doesn't come like that. But Esther's story is a story of success. And what we wanna do is we just wanna look down through here. Uh, I have on the scriptures, notice in chapter two, the references that I have uh, there so that we can get my Bible here. that in chapter two, there are literally four times that it's stated that Esther has been adopted in in verse five. Uh, Oh yeah, that's where we start. In Shushan the Citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah the king of Judah when Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah. You'll hear that during Purim. that word. Uh, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. That means she was orphaned, she lost mom and dad. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So we have an older cousin who is more like an uncle figure, uh, very specifically saying that he was the one who had adopted her in verse 15. Now, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of uh, Abihail and the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter. And then in verse 20, the last part, for Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. We have no we have no uh, understanding of what had happened to mom and dad, but she had lost her parents and has been adopted by her uncle. Now, I have on your sheet, adoption can, can take place in many avenues, and it can, but Esther's adoption was a family adoption. Over 25% of adoptions, I was told by reading, end up being family adoptions which is kind of significant, but think for just a minute of the many potential negative things that had entered her, Esther's life, and how might these negative things affected her. Again, we're thinking of challenges and things of that nature. Let's see here. Let's go back. When I was doing some reading on family adoptions, uh, I noticed that different adoptions in the family, in the family setting, uh, really a lot more involved than I thought. And way back in the day, Jerry and Carol, Sarah can remember this, Judy, Voice, and Doug from Falmouth down your area, adopted a grandson and uh, took wonderful care, have taken wonderful care of him. They did that because there was no, uh, no family that wanted this baby that was born and they dropped everything and drove down to West Virginia to pick it up. My cousin who was saved, he and his wife uh, on the same evening, having fought the savior for years, uh, went to Tennessee Temple, became missionaries, were raising five children, went to Sao Paulo, Brazil as missionaries, and uh, getting ready to come home after his first furlough. They had started two churches and a Bible Institute, very successful ministry. Uh, coming home from church, there was a tractor trailer that had crossed the line where they were headed and they knew they were going to be hit and they pushed the kids down in their car so that they would avoid most of the impact. Uh, The oldest was out with someone else. The other kids were deeply uh, injured medically. They were just small children. And uh, Chuck and Laura were killed instantly. And he had Chuck had just been home because his sister had passed away and he and his brother were talking and Chuck said, if anything ever happens to me, I hope you'll take care of my kids. Just one of those things that God knows what's happening. And so now my other cousin, John, who has three children, is now faced with bringing these other children, small children, into their home. Uh, it was really quite something uh, and uh, all of the children have now thanked Janice and John, Uncle John, for taking care of them except one. There's some real anger issues there that, you know, why has all of this happened to me? Why do I have to go through this? And um, But it happens in all kinds of ways. How many grandparents are taking care of grandkids right now? Christian school is a good example of that. and and how many of them adopt. What are some of the things that, that Esther might be confronted with going through all these negative circumstances? What are some of those negative circumstances? She lost mom and dad. How might that affect her? Definitely. A young child growing up, now what's going to happen to me? I can see that looming there all the time. Did you notice in the reference in chapter 2 verse 5 about them being conquered and taken to Babylon out of Jerusalem? how do you like to do that on a summer afternoon? It took about three months to make that trip. They usually did it in chains. I don't know about kids. But the idea that they have been now conquered, they're a min- minority race with not a lot of esteem in the eyes of the captives, and they're in a Jewish community, but they're surrounded by an overflow of Gentiles. And then Mordecai, that is a Babylonian name. They did that to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where this culture of wanting to squeeze everything out of them that's Jewish. Forget your name, forget your past, forget your faith, forget everything because you're not going back. You're gonna be here and kind of a political correctness of a Babylonian outlook, they're just gonna squeeze everything out. And uh, so she has that, uh, It's just, there are a lot of things that are happening. And what what we want to do again is to stress that even though the the challenges are going to be significant, uh, none of them seem to impact her negatively. She's had to work through this, I'm sure humanly, but what we see in the book of Esther is an incredible journey of a woman, a young woman, some think about 15 or 16 by the time this starts and a young woman by the time she becomes queen and her maturity, her grace, it just, she's just off the chart. She's going to go from being an orphan to the most powerful woman in the, in the world. And she handles herself in that arena just wonderfully. And it's, it's just incredible. So let's notice what the Bible says about this lady. And the first thing is, you know the story, all right? This has nothing to do with Bachelorette, okay? It just doesn't. These crazy, just saturated worldly sitcoms, not sitcoms, these live entertainment things, has nothing to do with that, nothing at all to do with that. Uh, You know the story, Uh, uh, we'll get into that. Let me show you the first thing that's said about her. Notice in chapter 2, verse 7, Where in the Hebrew it says that she is a beautiful form and face, a beautiful form and face. Now some of your Bibles have something different. Uh, what do you see? What, what's in your Bible? This is the New King James, and it says she's lovely and beautiful. Okay. Anybody else? says a lovely figure and beautiful. Okay, kind of the same thing, and it comes down to she was a very attractive lady. And we're supposed to see that, and it's obvious it will, it will show up. Uh, she is incredibly attractive. Now, here's, let me throw you another passage, and this will be the last one we looked at outside of, of Esther. Turn to Proverbs 31. Ladies, you know, as soon as I say that, you know where I'm headed. and we have we have this familiar question in verse 10 who can find a virtuous wife or virtuous woman her worth is far above rubies and then we have in the rest of the chapter this description of a woman who God says in verse 10, this is the best of the best. This is it. Key word, virtuous. Uh, It's used of David when he's a young soldier. He is in the prime of his life. He is strong, he is successful, he is courageous. He is the epitome of the Jewish soldier. And he is a great soldier as well as a worship leader. He is virtuous. Boaz, who is referred to as virtuous with this word Uh, it's because he is a man of great estate he is a landowner but it also deals with character has to do with valiant courageous the epitome of what a godly man should be and when boaz says to ruth the whole village does know that you are a virtuous woman it refers to this same word but it refers to this, the epitome of what a godly woman is. The reason I share this with you is that when this whole chapter ends in verse 29, after describing this woman, it says, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain, King James passing is empty. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. The point is that Esther, even though she is very, very beautiful, there's a lot more to her than just a beautiful face. That's the key. And in this chapter, When you look at the virtuous woman, all of her behavior, her actions are for the benefits of others. Uh, It says her children rise up, call her blessed. In verse 28, her husband, he praises her, his heart safely trusts in her. And this woman, even though her physical beauty may fade, her greatest joy is knowing that her family, her husband, her children respect her, love her, she's been able to impact them, and it's an all one way I am caring for these people. Esther will find herself demonstrating the same things, it's never about her. Now, young ladies like to feel nice, They like to feel attractive, they should feel attractive. What is it that they've done down at Grace? For, uh, they used to have pioneer girls, there was in our daughter's church, there was a lady who had a very special lady night out for junior high girls and young girls. They had to dress up, they had to walk on a catwalk type of thing. And she just, it's okay to be a woman, and it just, they had little dainties, delicacies for them, and they knocked themselves out for these young girls, and boy, they felt great. That's all right, they should feel like that. Bottom line, Esther demonstrates most of the qualities that are in here, and at the end of the book, when she knows that her people are being challenged, possibly killed, she is willing to stand as a mediator between all that's gonna happen to them in front of the only man that can save her people. And it's all about, not her, it's all about them. It is incredible what this young lady does, that she is so settled in herself that she would ever put herself in that position instead of wondering what's going to happen. It's, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, Esther is, again, <clears throat> she is not disadvantaged by any of the things that happened to her uh, as she works through them. It's, it's just wonderful. Uh, we know the story that um, the kingdom has conquered the world and they're having this lavish party of six months. Nobody has to go to work. You do that to your employees all the time, don't you? Yeah, Yeah, often, (laughs) and the cows. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) every other (laughs) day. And there is this long party and the king's a little inebriated and he calls for the queen to come so he can show all of his uh, uh, generals and statesmen, his wife, and she says i ain't going down there and uh, so this kingdom that conquered the world the men now go crazy they're thinking, man we are done in because if all the wives do what the queen did we're all sunk here (laughs) so the the country that couldn't be conquered from outside the men are scared to death the ladies are going to take over so got to get rid of this queen and find another queen and then they start looking for people who are potentially uh, candidates for becoming queen, and it's, it's an incredible story, and again, you know it. But in chapter two, and it's so critical, Esther is taken, she is seen for her beauty, and what the scriptures say in chapter two, verse nine, there's a man by the name of Haggai who is in charge of this preparation, a six, was it, two six-month beauty treatments before you go into a queen, into the king. But this statement in chapter two, verse nine, that she finds favor. If I read right here, chapter two, verse nine. Now the w- young woman pleased him and obtained his favor. He readily gave her beauty preparations to her besides allowance. And in dropping down to verse fifteen, the last part of it, where it says Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Immediately. She, is, she stands out prominently among all the ladies as this gal has got to go to the top of the list. So there's something about her in her behavior, in her demeanor, her speaking, that causes her to be seen this way, which is really quite, a, quite an honorable thing yeah, uh, ha- it would be a great discussion What is it that you think they saw in her that would elevate her to this level and I? think the the real key The statement is not made just once but four times in that chapter four times We're supposed to see that she is very exceptional. And that's why she's given this this treatment <clears throat> But from a historical standpoint being the queen, on most occasions when the king ate, the only person in the room with him would be the queen. That's it. And there, because of that tradition, nobody could get to the queen and we know, or the king. We know that uh, for his safety, they didn't want attacks. There are a couple of folks that wanted to, and Mordecai hears that and uh, r- reports that to the Esther, who gives it to the king, and that's taken care of. But Nobody gets to the king nobody sees him. He's in isolation. Uh, they don't want petty things to pull him down. He's got to rule the whole kingdom. So his isolation is something. And then going back to the bachelorette, and I hate that, just thinking of it, that the king, as he thinks of a queen, wants more than just something physical. He wants someone that he can share in life with. And for those who know the book, and, and I'm wondering how they did this at Sight and Sound, but by the end of the book, when you see the words and the behavior of the king, he really loves this lady. I mean, he deeply loves her. He is committed to taking care of her. He's affectionate toward her. And this man who rules the world has now going to get an incredible, compa- what did they see in this lady that caused them all to say she's got to go to the front of the line. I, I just think it's an incredible comment on a young girl who lost her parents, been conquered by an outside source, is surrounded by a pagan society, and is able to develop this way. It, it, it's just an incredible story. and a, Think It should be an encouragement to those who who are into adoption who have adopted to know that Kids can work through their challenges and they can get through them and we want to look through that but It's 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 just an amazing thing to see what's happened in chapter 2 verse 15 There's a Okay, ladies, I got a trick question that's coming your way, all right, so get ready. When the ladies went through the beauty preparations of a year, maybe that would help Justice, you and I, Justin, you and I and Jerry, if we had beauty treatments for a year. Mm -hmm. Any help there? (laughs) No, probably not. I can't imagine, Mary Kay's got nothing over these guys, really not. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Now, when the turn came for Esther to go into the king, she's now going to go to be presented as a candidate for queen. It is assumed again that there will be a meal, there will be time for just becoming acquainted uh, as the evening begins uh, to go into the king. She requested nothing. But what Haggai, the king's eunuch, now this is a guy that was overseeing the whole program, the custodian of them was, uh, wisdom advised, there was nothing that she asked for. It means that ladies, when they were going to be a potential candidate for the queen, or for, for queen, they could take from that that harem, anything they wanted, anything. And she says, "Uh, I don't need any of that. What do you think? Now, why is that revealing about Esther? And what might other women do when they think of all the adornment that they could have Yeah, yeah. Her focus was not on outward appearance. She was settled. Now think of all the disadvantages or challenges and yet she is very settled in who she is. I think it tells us that she's teachable, she's open to mentorship, if I can say that, this other guy who knows more about the king. It has been suggested by some of the people that I wrote that it would, that some ladies would make it quite revealing that they were in it for themselves and they loaded themselves up because if the king did not like them, they had to live off what they had and they wanted to make sure that they had the jewels or whatever. Or they were occupied with how they would appear. What can they do to make themselves look better? And I get that. But Esther stands there and says, "I don't need any of this stuff." She, she is so settled. How many young ladies do you know like that? You know, that's that's not an easy thing.
1: It's like she she stood out because she chose not to stand out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's settled. Yeah, and it's it just uh, it's it's an amazing thing uh, when we see this. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's just wonderful. Uh, not being a lady, uh, I am I'm just kind of uh, taken back by all these things that, that are happening because I'm thinking, uh, how does, how she got to this place? Here's some thoughts just as I think about her. If we look at her, again, the negative influences that, that could have potentially pulled her down, they haven't. Uh, She has not allowed circumstances to make her bitter or resentful. I don't see any place where she's kicking and screaming and saying, no, she's not going to do it. Beauty has not made her proud or self-centered. I think that's a big one. Do you think, ladies, did she know she was attractive? Sure she did. Yeah, she did. But she didn't flaunt it. She didn't get a big head as a result of it and look down at others. She was open to mentorship. With the advancement, when she does become queen, she displays the same even keel. Loyalty to Mordecai, to the king, humility to her servants. Tremendous wisdom. Uh, we know Haman, who makes this decree in a very cunning way to wipe out the Jewish people. That's been done, but he always told her, "Don't tell anyone you're Jewish," and she just accepted that. She did that. She obeyed that. Um, she kept her thoughts in her hair, hair, head, where where all these things were going, and doesn't reveal that she's Jewish even until the banquet at the end of the book, <clears throat> and but incredibly wise, Uh, submissive. There's nowhere where we see her being Meghan Markle.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Don't even get me started on that one. She's submissive, she's selfless. She trusts God when she discovers that she has to present, she has to reach out to the king on behalf of her people, she calls for a fast. She asks her maiden and every, the people that are around her fall in line and they join her. It talks about her influence and others. But she is a lady that has still believed in God. She knows how to find him, ask for help. And she develops this incredibly wise plan as she sets the tone and then reveals the threat to her and her people. It just, you think this is a young lady who's adopted, who's gone through all these things. You wouldn't think something like that would even be possible. And she thinks again, more of others than herself. She's willing to do this instead of trying to hide in the King's palace and that won't happen. Um, She's just incredible, an incredible study on a young girl faced with challenges, gets through all of them and in such a way that God honors her and the Jewish people do to this day. It's just an amazing thing. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. Ladies, what kind of thoughts are running through your mind when you think about Esther? Any other thoughts? Any comments or guys too for that matter? But ladies, thinking about the things that she's had to work through to get her feet on the ground and to be in this particular position, I, I just think it's it's just mind-blowing. It really is. But Sarah? I think about her parents
2: and her early upbringing, the influence that they must have had on her to kind of you know, be, help her
1: be prepared for what was coming, even though they had no idea. The
0: impact that they okay. Kind of like Moses and his parents, huh? Yeah. yeah, same thing. Good. Okay. Carol, what are you thinking? You think. Any ideas, Any thoughts? Yeah. 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 It It is a God thing, isn't it? Yeah. People don't do this on their own. Mm-hmm. really what I'm trying to stress here for adoptive parents for those who are considering it. The the negatives don't have to dominate. They really don't. And I'd be interested how was Esther and sight and sounds contrasted with the other ladies that might have been in that position? Did they show Yeah, they
2: picked the garments they wanted, they pick up the dormants they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and she just stood here and said, whatever you think I should do. Okay, adopted. all right. Isn't that something? So i I'm not spoiling this for <laughs> Okay,
0: <laughs> okay. really
1: did a good job of bringing that out.
0: Yeah, you know?
1: so yeah. It goes back to what Morgan said. She stood up because she refused to stand that out. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> but I look at that list and I think
1: that's a tremendous list. Several of those qualities, and I don't know that she has the same confidence standing in front of Xerxes with that request that she would with that list. I mean, that's a lifetime of living right there, and choices that she's made, and the way that she's lived with, you know, trusting God and, and wisdom that has put her at that moment. And without that whole list, I don't think she has that confidence or has that favor in the sight of Xerxes had she not had that whole list of
0: problems. Yeah, that's good, good. Melissa, what are you thinking? What's What's going through your head?
2: Well, I mean, part of what I'm thinking is I man, if I had even half that list,
1: <laughs> I'd be doing pretty well, and, and if my daughters have, <laughs>
0: So she's much more than just a beautiful face. And going back to Proverbs 31, in the Hebrew Bible, right after Proverbs, they put in the book of Ruth as an illustration of that Proverbs 31 woman. Esther is the same quality. I, I just wondered from a young woman's standpoint, being made queen, what was it like for her to take the steps putting on her apparel but going to the king when nobody goes unless you're invited and and that's where we begin to see the attachment of the king to this woman that he knows he can trust that has to be huge for him and it's just uh, an amazing uh, amazing thing let's see here I will say that- Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, He is there, though, isn't he? He's there every day out in the courtyard wanting to get a report and wanting to know how she's doing. And, uh, yeah, from a human standpoint, that has to be very difficult. There is another young man who is almost, in his situation, almost identical to Esther. And I'm thinking of... Joseph. Now, he didn't lose his family, but they kind of threw him under the bus to sell him into Egypt. And they think that he was about 17 when that happened, around there as an older teenager. They put chains on him. The book of Psalms tells us that were too tight and hurt his ankles. Uh, It was, yeah, it's just a very, very difficult time. But going through all the difficulty, rejection of his family, uh, the abandonment of his family, the Potiphar situation, the uh, the butler forgetting him, when he is in prison going through that, it kept saying, but the Lord was with him. Going back to what Carol was saying, the Lord was with him. And Joseph proved that because he could walk through those difficult circumstances, he could be trusted with the second in command of Egypt. I think Esther, proving that she could walk through all these challenges, in God's eyes, he knew he could trust her for the position he was going to put her in so that he could, she could save his people. And through this adoption, through this taking, God in His wisdom uh, allows this lady to become the savior of the whole race. It's just an incredible thing. I I appreciate it, ladies. I think you'll, you'll appreciate this too. Two statements that I read. Godly women yield to what God has planned for them. Godly women submit to God's will for their lives. Those are two great statements, but who would have expected to see that type of maturity in a very young lady? That's what's so exceptional. But she has walked with God like Joseph, and I think it's a wonderful thing. On your sheet, I just put down uh, under number two there as the book unfolds, uh, and we've talked about some of these, That Esther is very teachable as well as discerning. It's great to see that she is respected by those who are around her, those who attend to her. That says a lot. She is loving and loyal to all those in her life. She was also loyal to the king. She is courageous when she was afraid. And I think we saw the the genuineness of the scriptures and of human frailty when Mordecai says, you can't hide her first response. I can't do this. I can't go into the king. I don't think there's anything negative with that. We would have thought or expressed the same thing, but She did, and she did it for the right reasons, and not because Mordecai was putting pressure on her. She was doing it for herself. Very courageous. Uh, Esther knows how to seek God's help, and not just for herself, but for others. She was doing this for the nation. And Esther is always proper in her conduct. And when we see her as queen, she's always very proper she's just an incredible It's just an unbelievable book and it's a great way to emphasize to those who are considering adoption or those who have adopted children that potential challenges difficulties don't really have to pull the child down um, Let me read number three and then we'll be done here. Esther, a Jewish maiden, was raised to the rank of queen. Esther's life, her character, conduct, wisdom, loyalty, and love enabled her to stand in the court of the king of the nation that ruled the world. That's staggering. Esther was both common and very uncommon. As an adopted child, she stands as an example of success adopted children can find in character and conduct. And that's one of the major truths I think we can pull from this. Doing the Scriptures justice is to see this aspect of her adoption and her ability to rise above all of her difficult circumstances. I'm done, what do you think Esther?
1: Yeah. Stuff in a will, but for parents that don't have a will drafted, do
0: they they hold up a conversation if it can be validated? I don't know how that works. cousin my cousin's case they did not have a will and the lawyer who knew the family in its wide scope was very wise um, and he knew uh, word had got to him that the uh, Chuck and Laura had asked John to be the custodian guardian of the kids and he pulled all the relatives together and one by one starting and saying, uh, will you be responsible for the kids? Will you take care of them? Every one of them said, no, we don't want that. Came to John and Janice and he said, well, sure. (laughs) So he let the others check out and legally then was able to sign that knowing that the parents had expressed their own desire, the others had rejected and yeah. But having a will was one of the first things that Sarah and I did when I graduated from Bible College when my hair was dark way back in the day. And we had two, we just had, you just had, just Karen. Um, The man that was voted most likely to succeed as a pastor uh, was coming back from a church. Uh, Graduation had been on that Friday. He was coming back, he was going to be moving into the parsonage on that Sunday, really excited, and a drunk driver ran into the car and killed both he and his wife. And they had three small children, and there was the the fellow that died, his brother, who was an atheist, hated the fact that his brother had gone to a Christian school and was going into the ministry. He went to court to get the kids so that they would never learn about God. Now, I'm sure God had his way as time went along in that whole scenario. But when we heard that, we didn't have two nickels to rub together back in that time. But the first thing we did is we went out and we got our will just to make sure that. But God took care of my cousin's kids by, that, uh, by his making the statement anything happens to me, I hope you'll take care of the kids." And then the lawyer putting that all together. Yeah, but we live in that kind of world. Thank you, Morgan, for taking care of that today. And thank you. I don't have any idea who's going to be here next week. So uh, we're hoping Bethany, but Ray's tried before, several times. And uh, if Bethany is not here, I will be looking at adoption in the Bible. What does the Bible say about our salvation? We are adopted what does that tell us about adopted parents and their relationship with kids? And we'll talk more about that maybe next week. Thanks for being here. Glad you guys have seen Esther.